Ray Selection, hate not being with y'all to worship this morning, but we're excited to see our fifth child graduate from college. So we're at a graduation ceremony. I just wanted to do this to thank you for what went on at the amphitheater Wednesday night. What a great start to pray, May. Thank you guys that took that day and fast, skipped breakfast and lunch, and then we enjoyed a big meal together. We're going to do the same thing this Wednesday night, except it's going to be more personal. Just us at Radius Lexington. If you'd again, like take Wednesday morning and skip breakfast and skip lunch, and then we're going to get together. We got Sheely's coming in, so you're going to want to be early, right? Like I think we're opening up at six o'clock. You come in, we'll eat together, we'll celebrate some good food, and then we're going to do it again. We're going to spend some time worshiping and praying, and we'll see uh, how the Lord directs us over the course of this month. Look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Yeah, Pray May is definitely one of the highlights of Radius Church, and I think it's amazing that we would set, us up, set aside the month and pray and fast and, and see what God has for us. Um, if I'm being really honest with you, it brings a little bit of angst in my life as I think about this prayer time, because if, if I could make a confession, um, I have some, I have, I have like a character flaw that goes way against our our need to pray and, and our call to pray. And that character flaw is this. I, I'm a control freak. Um, I, I love to be in control. I like to be in control of uh, my resources, my time. I like to be in control of the calendar. I like to be in control of what's passing in and out of my, my home. I know for many of you, when you hear me say that, that makes no sense whatsoever, that control issues have no place in your home. Like you're absolutely great. Willy nilly can kind of shoot from the hip. But for me, it's a, it's a desperate issue. I mean, I really, I really struggle with it. And so when I think about this idea of praying, um, it really confronts that it confronts my, my need to, to be in control, my, my control issues. The great thing for me, as I read the Bible is that there are a ton of control freaks in scripture. Um, I don't know if you've noticed that because I am one, I can see them fairly quickly. And so when I read the Bible, I get to the first few chapters, there's Genesis chapter three and there's Adam and Eve. And what does the serpent offer Eve? He says, Hey, if you want to be like God, well, that's kind of the dream of a control freak, isn't it? I would love to be God. And I think I am God half the time as I control a situation. So she sits back and says, yes, I'm in. I would love to do that, right? Give me the fruit. Um, there's another one, just a few chapters down is Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was a, a, was a control freak. I mean, he was constantly trying to control the situation and the narrative to the point that he called his wife, his sister multiple times. Matter of fact, they were, Abraham and Sarah had such control issues. They were given this amazing promise. They couldn't have children. It was late in life. And God said, I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to make this promise to you that you're going to have this promised child. And they thought this is great. But for Abraham and Sarah, they didn't want to wait the 25 years that it would take for God to bless them with this child, Isaac. And so Sarah took matters into her own hands and as a control freak said, hey, Abraham, why don't you hang out with Hagar, my maidservant, and let's have a kid that way. I mean, like, I thought I had control issues. That's control issues, right? And, and you get to places like King Saul, the first king of Israel. 
He had control problems. I mean, he was waiting to go into battle. He said, hey, call the priest. We need to make an, an offering and a sacrifice. He waited seven days. He says, I'm tapped out. I'm not waiting any longer. He offers the sacrifice himself because he has to take matters into his own hands. Control issues. Um, New Testament, Mary and Martha. There's a story of control, isn't it? Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. Martha comes in saying, hey, I'm doing the dishes in here. Why don't you come help me? And Jesus is like, why don't you calm down and let Mary rest at the feet where you should be too instead of thinking you've got to control the entire environment? The Pharisees, I mean, they were good grief. I mean, you talk about guys that couldn't stand that Jesus Christ showed up on the planet and was, he was combating and going against their control as he says, hey, instead of all of these rules and regulations that these guys are telling you about, why don't we, why don't we talk about the heart and what God would want for us? Um, and, and as a result, they decided to plot and scheme and have Jesus crucified because they were losing control of the people and the narrative that goes all the way through, right? I mean, I, I could keep naming them. And, and maybe as I say that, for some of you, you say, yeah, I kind of might have a control issue here or there. Um, we're working our way through the Lord's Prayer, and there's this one phrase in there that really just, it just rubs me wrong. It, it is the, it's the one that just really gets at my control issue pieces. So let, let me read it to you. It's in Matthew chapter 6. This is right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We're calling the series Real Prayer. I'm going to read the whole model prayer of the Lord's Prayer. You may, may know this or have repeated it as a child or playing sports or, or maybe even daily today. You're, you know, in your life now you do it. But here it is, verse 9. It says, Therefore you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Most of this prayer I love. I, I mean, most of this prayer, it just, I can, I can say it and it, it doesn't really rub me wrong. Like this whole idea of our Father in heaven, honored be your name, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. I'm all for that. Man, I, I think God's attributes and his characteristics should be praised. That part's great. I love the idea of his kingdom come, his will be done. Like who doesn't want God's kingdom to show up? Who doesn't want his will to be done, especially in a lost and broken world? I mean, I'm all for that. I definitely am for my, my sins being forgiven. Like I'm all for that. Like, please forgive me of my sins. I don't want to enter into temptation. I want to be delivered from evil. Man, I got no problems praying any of that. I, I mean, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But did you notice the part I skipped, verse 11? That's the control part. That's the one I struggle with. He says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now, the reason why this is a little hard for me is I'm all for asking for things. I really am. This is what we call a prayer of supplication. That's just a fancy word for saying, I want to humbly ask God for something. I want to 
humbly ask God for something. So that's what supplication is. And you get this one little phrase in this prayer that is asking God. And so give us today, all right, that, that's the asking part. The bread is the, the something we're asking for. The problem is, is the word today and daily. That's where I have issues. I don't like praying for today's daily bread. I like praying for like next week, next month, next year, next, you know, 10 years. I, 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 I'm, I'm all for that. I don't want to wake up and wonder, am I going to eat today? Anybody else with me? Does this just seem a little strange? I'm, I'm looking at this thing and no, 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 no. I should already have this taken care of. I should already have this answered. Provision should be taken care of. Today and daily bread, no, 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 no. This is already, if I'm doing my job, should be answered. Um, I think the reason why I'm looking at it a little weird is, is if, if we're really honest, um, I think when we read, give us today our daily bread, we may think of it in terms of um, maybe some kind of a prayer at a meal. Um, I, I don't know if you grew up you know, praying something like God is great, God is good, let, him think of, let us thank him for our food. And, and maybe we kind of think of that. Um, maybe we think of a, a prayer over a meal like, um, Lord, thank you for this food. Bless it to the nourishment of our bodies and our body to your service. And maybe as we read that, we think of that's what it means to say, give us today our daily bread. Um, I don't think this is at all about food per se, I'm not even really sure it's about mealtime, like any of that. I, I think there's something way deeper going on that gets at our, our control, our control issues. Because when I think of a meal, I don't, I mean, if I'm just being honest with you, I don't, I don't really think about like sitting at the table a couple of three times a week with my family or going out to eat at a favorite restaurant. Like when I read that, I just kind of skim through it. It just I think there's got to be more than just food, right? Um, so remember, we're, we're right in the middle of the, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching to a crowd that is predominantly Jewish. And when they hear daily bread, the question is, what would have come to their mind when they thought of daily bread? And I think it's a story in the book of Exodus that would have spoken not only to this idea of daily bread, but also to the idea that the Israelites had a major control problem. So if you got a Bible, you can flip over to Exodus chapter 16. If not, it's going to be on the screen. Just to remind everybody, uh, the nation of Israel was enslaved to Egypt. They were enslaved to them for some 400 plus years. God raises up a dude named Moses and says, I need you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. 10 times he goes down there. 10 times Pharaoh says no. Crazy plague like boils and water into blood and, and the darkness and gnats and flies and locusts and frogs and the list goes on. And then finally they're delivered after the death of the firstborn of every Egyptian. They get to the Red Sea and God delivers them with a wall of water over here and a wall of water over here. This is Exodus 14 and 15 and they walk through on dry ground some million and a half Israelites make it through. They get over there. The next thing that's recorded in scripture is this amazing song of 
praise as they sing praise to God and say, thank you for delivering us. Thank you for your amazing wonders. Thank you for this amazing miracle of splitting the Red Sea. And the wind had not even died down yet. In Exodus 16, verse 3, the people say, we're hungry. We're hungry. And not only do they say we're hungry, they say we're hungry. And why did you bring us out of Egypt? Because if we'd have stayed in Egypt, we could have had bread till we were content and we could have had meat until it was running over. Listen, why are we here? In other words, it would be so nice to be back in Egypt where we are in control. Or so we would think we're in control. I mean, forget the fact that they're beating us with whips and telling us to build a kingdom on our backs. We just really want some food. And we're willing to take slavery, but we would know where our next meal is coming from. And look at what God says in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Um, I know what my response to that would be after doing all of that. It said, verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people are going to go out each day and gather enough for that day. He doesn't say, I'm going to punish you. He doesn't say, I'm going to judge you. He doesn't say any of that. He's just gracious and calm. And he says, I know you're hungry, and I'm going to rain bread from heaven. We call this manna. That's what the, the Hebrews are going to call it. And every morning they're going to wake up, and it's going to be on the ground. It's bread every day. And it says you're supposed to go out there and you're supposed to gather enough for that day. Matter of fact, he says, you're going to gather enough for that day. And this is the way that I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Let's just see if they trust me. Let's just see how much they're willing to trust me and depend on me. I'm going to have this bread here. And the only caveat, the only thing I'm going to tell them is don't gather too much. Don't gather more than you need. Don't gather uh, some for a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Just gather enough for that day. Now listen, the control freak in me and having a family of seven what do you think I'm going to do the first morning that I wake up and the ground is covered with manna? I'm going to look at all of my children and my wife and say, I need every backpack. I need all the Tupperware. I need Ziploc bags. Anything saran wrap can go over. We are going outside and we are gathering it all right now. Everything you can do, we're loading it up. We got a wagon. We got a truck. We are taking it back to the tent because I want to be in control. I want to make sure we got enough for this week and maybe this month. There's no need to risk it because what if it doesn't? rain bread tomorrow. I know he said he would. I know he said he would take care of us, but weather patterns are weird around here. What if? So I load it up and I make it happen. Now, look at what the instruction is. Moses goes on as God talks to him in verses 19 and 20. He says, Moses said to them, no one is to let any of it remain until morning. No leftovers. Don't gather enough for the next day or the next week or the next month. No leftovers. And then he says, but they didn't listen to Moses. 
And some people, the Johnson family, left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and smelled, and therefore Moses was angry with them. Just enough for the day. Just daily bread. Not more than that, not less than that, and if you do, it's going to rot. It's going to stink. And all of that stuff that we loaded up, everybody's going to know exactly what the Johnsons did. Like, whoo, something's coming from that tent, right? Because we decided to do it my way and not trust. Then he goes on and he says this in verse 26, more instruction. For six days you may gather it, this manna, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. So on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they did not find any. Real simple. It's going to be Fridays, the last day that you're going to be able to get it for Friday and Saturday. So get some for Friday and Sabbath on Saturday. We rest on Sabbath. So just make sure you get enough. And Sunday it'll start over again. And then there's a group of people that they didn't even get enough for two days worth. Right? That's a sermon in and of itself. But look at verse 35 of this chapter. This is the part that's amazing to me. The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to, a, to an inhabited land, and they ate manna until they reached the border of the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. 40 years. Let's just think about that. 40 years, six days a week, they woke up and gathered daily bread. What do you learn in that? What does that tell you about God's character? What does that tell you about your control? What does that tell you about your trust and your needs and your desires? What does that tell you? I mean, at some point, it's got to reveal that God is good and that he wants to care for us and that he loves us and he provides for us. It's got to show that this isn't just some little experiment that he's doing with the Israelites, but that he truly wants to bless every person on the planet through them. He truly has a plan. It's got to speak to that, right? We sit back and when you look at this idea of, of asking for, for daily bread and recognizing there's something about every morning getting up and when you go out to collect it, this is what you're saying. I'm depending on God to provide for me. I'm depending on him. Not only that, I am, I am relinquishing control I'm not just relinquishing control. Like I am surrendering. I am surrendering my need to provide. I am surrendering my need to have all the answers met. I am surrendering and I am going out and saying, I'm trusting in you. I need you. The only way we make it through is for you to do this. And not only that, but when you surrender, you are submitting to the answer. You are saying, I surrender to this. I wish we could gather for two days. I wish we could gather for two weeks. I wish we could gather for two months. But you said one day at a time. And so I submit to how you answered this. Because what did they ask up front? We're hungry. It's going to be there. Just enough for the day. Will you surrender 
and will you submit? And some people didn't submit, and it stunk and was infested by worms. And some people didn't submit, and they didn't have any on Sabbath. I wonder for us, like, is this the reason we don't ask for things? I'm just going to be real with you. I don't like supplication. I don't like asking because if I have to ask, that means I'm not in control. It means I don't have. And if I don't have, I must mean something's wrong with me. I didn't do something right. I failed to provide. I failed to think of all of the situations. I didn't get it all squared away. I didn't do one plus one plus one to get me to three. I must have done it wrong. And so therefore, I had just rather figure it out on my own instead of asking, because when I ask, I'm recognizing I need and I'm dependent and I'm going to have to surrender. And then I'm going to have to submit to what you say. Because what if I ask and he says, sure, in 10 years, sure, in 15 years, what if he says, no, no, I had just rather work this thing myself. Anybody else? I'd just rather work it myself because then I'm in control. Um, I don't know if this whole, I don't know if all this manna, like if it really is settling with you. I'm going to try to give you a different illustration. Uh, family of seven. So you can imagine we have tons of laundry at my house, tons of laundry, um, the dryer goes off. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to make it look like I'm some laundry expert. Terry takes care of this most of it at our family. But every once in a while, the, the, the buzzer goes off and I need to go get the laundry out of the dryer and take it. We put it on the couch and sort stuff. I cannot stand when I open the dryer and it's whites in there. Like, you know, like socks and undies and stuff. I don't like that because seven of us, there's tons of them, right? Now, here's the deal. When I do that, let me just show you. This is just me. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this. This is my control issue. I open that rascal up, and when I get in there, I take my hands and I run them down the edge of that metal tub, right? That metal deal. And I just begin to scoop everything out. And then I'm bringing it in right in here. And it gets right in here, right on my, my knees. Anybody else? And then when I get it in, like, I got I to gotta hold this one here with my chin. And this is, this is me coming to the couch because I'm not making two trips. Anybody else? <laughs> Anyone? It's ridiculous. I don't know if it's a competition with me. I don't know. I, 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 it's just control. Like I, I am not going to be beaten by this dryer and 400 pair of socks. And so I begin to go and I'm walking and my wife's just shaking her head as she watches me get there. And as you're going, you know what you begin to sense, don't you? You can, you can sense that there's one trying to get away right there. There's one just, just right there, and you're just holding on. And then as you look back, you notice you already got one trying to escape, right? He's trying to find little brother that got eaten by the dryer 30 minutes ago. He's taken off over there, and this is what I do. This, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is me. I'm sitting here, here and I come back. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go to the couch, drop them, and come back and get another one. That's how ridiculous I look every time I fail 
to ask God for something. Because I'm just sitting back and holding it to say, I got it. I'm good. I can handle this. I need no help. And here I am just waddling it over. And I wonder how many of us are the exact same way, failing to ask. Because it's just so much easier to handle it ourselves. Just so much easier. Some of you say, Russell, I, man, I get the... I get the whole idea, the manna, and to give us this day our daily bread, but I really think this is just about normal, everyday provision for food. I'm, I'm struggling to see this as dependence upon God. I'm struggling to see this as surrender and submission to Him. Let me, let me show you one more passage in relationship to this that, that might show us that God was way more concerned about something else than bread and food on your table. Um, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, it's going to be on the screen here. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, you actually know this. If you know your Bible, you've, you've studied much of the New Testament, you know this verse. It's quoted by Jesus. Um, so Moses is going to rehash all the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and he's going to give a summary statement. And he gets to this episode of manna, and he gives this summary statement about what it was all about. Remember in verse 4 of Exodus 16, he says, to test you? To test you for what? Just to see if you'd pick up just enough? Just to see if you'd get enough on Friday and Saturday? Was that the test? Because that seems pretty petty to me. What's the test? Verse 3, he, God, humbled you by letting you go hungry. You walked out of that Red Sea and you were hungry. And he knew you were hungry. And he says, he gave you manna to eat, this bread every day, which you and your fathers had not known, never seen it before a day in your life. It shows up, weirded you out as it would all of us, right? And then he says this, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This was not to teach you that he can miraculously provide a meal. This was not to teach you that God can magically make amazing bread happen every day. This was to teach you dependence on God's word, to trust him, to submit to him, to surrender to him. It's bigger than a meal. It was bigger than bread. It was, do you surrender to me? Will you trust me? Will you depend on me? Um, let me give you a practical one right now that I'm I'm praying through. Um, this is a prayer I got on repeat. I'm sure some other uh, fathers and mothers might have this one going on as well. John said he's got a, a son graduating uh, from Wheaton. I've got, a, I've got a son graduating from high school in a couple of weeks. Um, Going to go off to college and just for the last, man, I don't even know. I've been praying this for a while now, I guess ever since the start of his, his senior year. 
um, there's something I will be in, I have no control over. I got no control over some things. Um, I got no control over who his roommate's going to be. Right? He's going off to a school, and it's no one else we know is going there. And, and um, I'll I just tell you what my, my prayer is. This, this is it. I'm praying. I've been praying for over a year. Lord, would you just be kind and give him a roommate that, that's not nuts? <laughs> I mean, the bar is pretty low. <laughs> no freaks, please, Lord. I just, it's just, and I, I, I could not be more serious that that, I got no control. Like they say they got that dorm portal and all, listen, that's a joke, man. <laughs> For a guy that's in control, that ain't control. It ain't control. And, and all I know to do is just to say, Lord, I, I would love to handpick the guy he's going to live with for at least the next semester or year. But I got nothing. I can't make a phone call. I can't do anything. All I know is they're probably going to pair him up, and I'm just asking for you to be kind. And this is what I'm going to do. You ready? I'm just going to surrender. And then I'm going to submit that when we move him in in August, I'm just going to submit to who we meet when we move him in. Because this is what I would know. Freak or not, I got to trust. Right? And man, there's just a lot. I'm, I'm telling you as a dad, even to say it just uh, rips me up because I want to protect and I want to drive this and I want to be in control. But I don't. What if it's just such a time as this that Milton gets to share the gospel with some, some kid in a dorm room? As he wakes up every morning, hopefully every Sunday morning and goes to church, hopefully, right? To be a witness there. I, what I'd love is for there to be a roommate that says, we're going to go to the same church together and wake up together and have our quiet time at the same time. And... <laughs> right? Um, I could give you, I could give you a, a hundred others just like it. Praying for my kids through transition, just some stuff I, I can't control. I can't. And all it does is it just, it just begs of me. Will I trust God? It begs of me. Will I surrender? Will I submit? Can I, can I open up just a tad? Man, you guys ought to be glad you don't have control issues, right? Because this is just it's brutal for guys like me. Um, last thing. Uh, this whole deal of manna in the New Testament, um, just in case you still aren't sure that this is bigger than a meal. Um, so not too much later, Jesus is going to do one of his most famous miracles. And it, in John chapter 6, it's recorded. Um, he's going to look at a crowd, it's a massive crowd, and he's going to see that um, people are hungry. And there's going to be a young man there with five loaves and two fish, and he's going to bring that meal, and, and, and Jesus is going to take it and bless it. And, 
and 5,000 people are going to be fed from just this small little meal. Amazing story, right? When Jesus is done, he, he tries to, to move away from the crowd, and the crowd follows him, and they're just like, do some more stuff, Jesus. This is amazing. Do this stuff some more. And this is what they ask him to do. Will you rain bread from heaven like Moses did? Like, will you do something cool like that? Will you, will you Jesus? And then Jesus says some of the harshest and most confusing words he ever said. First he said, listen, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I'm the bread of life. I am. And then he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And you know what the crowd did? They bailed out because they just wanted a meal. And Jesus wanted to offer himself. He wasn't offering a meal. And when I pray for a roommate, it's not about a roommate. And when we pray for a doctor's visit, it's not about a diagnosis. It's about saying, do we want Jesus? Do you want Jesus? So he is the bread of life. He is the one that I, I, I submit to and I surrender to. And whenever I meet this young man who's going to be his roommate, I'm going to remind myself that it was less about that and more about me trusting you in this process. Here's what I'm going to ask us to do. Um, you all got something you're praying for. I hope, I hope there's something that... I hope there's something that you sit back and in this moment right now, you'd say, you know what? I haven't prayed about that enough. I haven't asked about this. I'm just kind of trusting it to all pan out. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's, and you just say, I haven't prayed about it. Maybe you're not praying about it because you just like to be in control. Maybe you're not praying about it because you don't want to hear what God might have to say and as an answer, um, regardless, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Just take a moment before the band comes out, before we start singing and have an opportunity to take the bread and juice. Um, I'm just going to ask you to pray. You don't have to pray with anybody next to you. If you want to pray out loud with the person you came with, great. But if in that moment you just, just want to pray, um, I'm just going to ask you to do that. Is that cool? You know what I'm fixing to pray for. Um, why don't you pray too? Let's do that. Let's pray together.